Thanks for listening to Space 101.1. Up next, an interview with wildlife photographer Muckle Solman, whose works are currently on display at the Magnuson Park Gallery until April 23rd. Hear an artist talk with Mr. Solman this Saturday. Hi there. My name is Terika Summers, and I'm a volunteer at Magnuson Park Gallery, right in the heart of Magnuson Park on the second floor of Building 30. In cooperation with SPACE, Sandpoint Arts and Cultural Exchange, we have this amazing opportunity to talk to our feature artist about his current show, Winter Northwest. Acclaimed French naturalist Georges-Louis Leclerc once said, genius is nothing but a great aptitude for patience. I'm very proud to introduce you fine art photographer whose work that I have been enthralled with at our gallery and been looking at for weeks, Mukal Somen. So excited to finally meet you. Welcome. Likewise, Jericho. I'm uh, really happy to be here and getting an opportunity to you know, be part of the show and showcase some of the work that I've been doing for over seven years. Really humbled by you know the uh, hard work that everybody put in to make the show happen. So thank you guys. Really happy to be here. The quote that I mentioned earlier, I had to mention because it just resonates with me and the work that you've been doing. When I look at all your pieces, i just imagining you being so patient, lying in the snow, waiting and waiting just for the right moment to take that perfect shot of the different animals that are in the show. Tell us about your vision for Winter Northwest. Well, first of all, thank you for being so kind to me <laughs> with the description that you gave for my work. Right from the onset, I had not really planned any of this. It was not a case of me going with a vision to get what I want. It's more like the vision finding me. So right from the get-go when I first started shooting uh, wildlife seriously, which was since 2016, up until then I was really interested in different kinds of photography. I still am kind of like a clutter brain fella, but I think my focus in photography has shifted significantly to wildlife after a trip that I took with my wife to the Grand Tetons National Park in 2016. And what happened in that trip kind of changed me forever. We were driving besides uh, one of the roads. It's actually the road from the main national park road towards the town of Kelly. And I was looking to my left and I saw the majestic Grand Tetons and there was like, you know, beautiful light falling on it, snow flying off from the, you know, from the terrain. I was just, just stunning, right? Uh, and it's such an American icon, the, the Grand Teton mountain range when you look at it, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just telling Mary, hey, remember you, you remember those bisons that we saw? How cool would it be if they just lined up right underneath that ridge and we get a shot with the Tetons and some clouds at the top and the bisons, right? And about five minutes out driving, exactly that happened. There was a line of bison that was almost equidistant from each other, lined up in front of the Grand Tetons, and they were at the perfect angle where behind the bison was just white snow, and then you have the Tetons above it, right? And from the tip of the Grand Teton, there was just this little lenticular cloud formation that was just kind of, just touching it, like an artist's finishing touch. I stopped the car, and Mary and me were watching it, and suddenly, I realized that I am bawling. I am 
crying like a little baby oh, wow. looking through my camera viewfinder unable to take a picture i was like my, my my whole body was like full of goosebumps and i was emotionally overwhelmed and that was the second i realized i might do a lot of things as an artist in my life but foundationally at the end of the day being in nature and being a witness to wild moments like that is what i want to do ultimately for the rest of my life so that was kind of what started and then the vision that you talked about that seed to that all that was that moment mm -hmm. and then i got hooked so every winter i started going back so uh, from seattle we would drive all the way to the grand teton national park and then we would drive to the yellowstone national park and we would kind of do the, the drive back and forth and we did that for like uh, seven years since and it's been quite uh, you know quite amazing over time i developed i think uh, an affinity for really clean backgrounds mm -hmm. so you know when you're going there every year you kind of start learning more about the geology the ge sorry the geography of the place and then the behavior of the animals you kind of start forming these ideas between okay bison show up more on this side of the park okay uh, coyotes show more on this side of the park okay pronghorns show up more on that side of the park so you kind of form these mappings in your brain about where possible wildlife can occur and then i also keep watch of the weather and i try to plan my trip closer to a storm and usually if you're going there in winter like you know jan feb that time there are fresh storms dropping fresh snow all the time so it's kind of easier to get a landscape covered with snow and then yeah i just from that point it's kind of like you know you go with an open mind i don't chase anything i'm just there as you know one of the beings in the wild and there's this energy, you know, whatever you want to call it, that kind of surrounds you when truly all you're hoping for is, is a memorable encounter in the wild with wild beings. The thing I like the most is that connection because when, when a wild animal is there and you're there, there is no, nothing false or nothing fake or nothing not true between you and that creature because it's, it's very, you know, if, 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 that, if, a, if a mountain lion wants to eat you and is hungry, there's no pretend there. It'll, it'll go after you, it'll get you, it'll finish you off. But if a mountain lion is standing there and watching you and is letting me take a photograph of it, that means there is a mutual understanding between us where we both respect each other's boundaries and we've accepted each other into each other's bubble, right? Right. That's what really feeds my soul. Right, and, and uh, it definitely I, comes out in the portraits that you take. I mean, you can get, you, you see, a little bit of that emotion between you and I, I can see the emotion in the animal you know they, they look they're very calm and serene and, and almost they're like in deep thought thank you thank you it, it definitely f one of the things I try to do is try to keep them comfortable mm -hmm. I don't I don't make a beeline to an animal when I see it I kind of watch and see how it's moving then I settle myself at a spot that's got the best chance from my understanding of watching it where you know a composition could align so it's a lot of it's kind of like fishing right mm -hmm. you you do everything you can but you don't know what you're going to catch right you, you can only do so much you don't want to go in with a trawler on a river and sweep all that salmon and bring it back and pick the best one there's no fun in doing that so it's kind of like you know you do everything that you can you respect the boundaries that you've set. You accept that you're in their territory, you're in their land, mm -hmm. and you're only a, a, a visitor and a witness, and wait for them to gift you the moments rather than you snatch the moments you want and walk away. 
Right. And I feel like your work is so different than everything other nature wildlife photographers and photography that I've seen because of that, the background, I mean, the subject is right there and the background is so white. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, absolutely. So typically these kind of shots are referred to as high key images or high key photography. And you, technically speaking, you kind of overexpose the shot. Like you, you, usually when you take a photograph, you try to look at the camera's meter and you try to do what the meter tells you so that it, you get a good image. But I kind of ignore the meter a little bit and I overexpose the shot by two to three stops, which kind of blows the snow up to white and exposes the darker animals much better in that kind of uh, situation. And I try to not photograph much in harsh light on the snow, rather I wait for that overcast day where there's nice soft blanketing light on the creatures and they're mostly furry or they have feathers on them. So soft light really you know, falls off those feathers in a very pleasing and kind of almost fuzzy sort of way. As well, you can see to, every detail, every feather, every color when you look at your portraits. Absolutely, and so that's kind of like a little bit of how I, I approach uh, getting these shots. And then there's a post-processing side, you know, these are digital photographs. So I work with uh, Capture One Pro, which is my post-processing software, and I uh, do fine local adjustments where, you know, I want to make sure that if there's white shade on the animal, I want that white shade to still be distinguishable from the white shade in the background. So there's a little bit of work to be done there to ensure that they both don't just blend and then, you know, become one tone. So there's a little bit of post-processing, but nine out of 10 times, the shot is mostly made in the moment in camera. And then you do a little bit of touch up just the same way you work in a dark room with film, you know, kind of dodge and burn and do those kind of adjustments. I try not to change the image compositionally after taking the shot because that kind of uh, takes the photographic process to a different place where you're image making rather than photographing. So I try to leave it at photographing. And I, one of your images, Trinity, received an award. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, very lucky there. I was awarded the grand prize for Outdoor Photographer Magazine's Wildlife Photography Contest for 2022. Yeah, it was... Uh, there were some great entries. Uh, the other congratulations to the other winners too. Their work were also phenomenal. So it was really nice to kind of you know get some exposure there and uh, for more people to see my work. Because at the end of the day, I do what I do to inspire people to be out in the wild and and care for the wild. Like each of these portraits that I've created or each of these moments that I've photographed, if they don't invoke a sense of curiosity and love for the natural world, then all this is futile, right? There's no point in what I'm doing. But I want folks to see this, to walk away from, when they walk away from this, I want them to think of these creatures at close quarters that they witness through my photography when they're out in the wild, whether they're snowshoeing or whether they're skiing. So that there's this understanding that, yes, we are having fun out there, but there are other creatures that live there too, and we need to be respectful, and we need to consider their well-being and be a responsible visitor and be morally and ethically responsible towards the well-being of the e ecosystem and all of the creatures that inhabit that space. That's great. And actually, part of the, the profits from your work, it, you are donating to... Which, co which cause is that? So, um, so, I mean, 
it's very difficult to to move past what's happening in Europe right now. Mm-hmm. I am not able to move past it mm-hmm. uh, for humanitarian reasons and for just the the scale of the destruction and emotional, physical, and political turmoil that 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 Ukraine is in right now, right? Mm-hmm. So I did some research and I found out uh, the Animal Welfare Institute that works on collecting donations and giving it to organizations that are taking care of animals during the invasion, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I want to dedicate this whole body of work to what's happening there and call people's attention to that. Um, yes, there's these are pretty pictures probably, but th- they mean nothing in the face of what's happening in Europe right now. And there are lots of animals that need help over there. And uh, shelters are being run to take care of dogs and cats and all kinds of domestic animals and pets that have nowhere to go during the situation. So yeah, part of my, uh, actually 40% of the profit from any of the uh, print sales will be dedicated to that cause. That's incredible. What, what do you think are you going to do moving forward as a photographer? Do you have any other aspirations in terms of I, I want to keep shows? continue I, I want to like I want to keep on continuing what I'm doing here. I, I feel I have not yet found my true voice in photography. It's all a journey and my dad once told me that it's really about the journey and not the destination mm-hmm. and I've kind of taken that to heart. So I don't really have any next plans other than continue on the journey and keep learning more and more as I travel down that path. You know, one thing though that I keep telling myself is every time I go out into the wild and I photograph and I come back, I feel I've changed a little bit. And where that change takes me, I don't know. Because if there's one thing that's constant, that's change. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I don't have a, a good enough answer to tell you for where I'm going to go with it. Other than, you know, we, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm just going to do what feels right to my heart. And this definitely feels right to my heart to be out in the wild and photograph wild animals. I think you're an incredible inspiration to uh, different photographers everywhere. I was wondering if you had any little pro tips or anything that could help someone that is interested in getting to, into photography or is a photographer right now? I think we live in a time where access to photography equipment and digital photography in general is so easy. You know, you back in the day, it was more difficult to procure these equipments. And the process to take a photograph and then get it printed, starting like when you were using film, right, is like a really lengthy process and it required a lot more very curated, specific knowledge skill set. So all that is now eliminated because everything is easily accessible. It's digital. To learn the workflow in digital is much easier than learning analog. So more and more people are getting interested in wildlife photography. So I'm very glad that a lot of people are getting interested in it because the more the interest, the more people care. And the more people will want to work with their local governing agencies and bodies to protect environments. So that, you know, you can still see those beautiful birds and you can still see those beautiful mammals and you can still be mindful and protective of the environment. But in the process, because we are going out all the time now, more more and more people are going out taking pictures. In the process, sometimes we forget the morals and the ethics we need to follow as we are taking these photographs. So for aspiring wildlife photographers, what I would like to say is follow your heart go after what you want to photograph, but keep in mind that you are a visitor in the territory of these animals. 
So be respectful, leave no trace, do not approach spaces that are inhabited by wild animals more than you know you should like the keep your distance right mm -hmm. shoot with a telephoto lens as much as possible if you want to go up close set up camera traps and things like that do the work in order to get that avoid shortcuts because you know it's when you try to go for shortcuts that you might be tempted to do something that you shouldn't be doing uh -huh. so keep that in mind be very respectful towards them because you know one move from you could scare off a, a mother fox from her den, she might not return to that den for a while, which might lead to starving babies. And who knows, your move might have resulted in those babies not making it. So you don't want to be in such a situation. So I, th that's my big advice to folks is like, you know, there are no real pro tips here. There's, it's basically you go after what you want to do, what feels right in your heart. And, you know, the camera is just another tool. If you want to pick up a pencil and draw these animals, you could do that too. If you can pick up a brush and paint them, you could do that too. But focus in the manner in which you do your art and make sure that you're morally and ethically on the right side so that you can keep doing this and inspire others to keep on doing this. Mm. Oh, that sounds amazing. And so from what I understand, you live in the Kirkland area? Yeah, I live so, in Kirkland, yeah. Because I, I know that there was some photographs I saw of the Juanita Bay. Is it river? Or no, not river otters, but the otters. No, you're right. They were river otters. They are river yeah, yeah, otters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I thought that was fascinating because I was in Magnuson Park one time just sitting right by um, <laughs> one of the dock launches, and I thought I saw a puppy swimming up to the boat launch. Wonderful. And I, it, like, did a flip turn and disappeared, and I was kind of stressed about what happened to the puppy and I saw those photos that you had and I was like oh that's what I saw and so they must have came over from Juanita Bay or at least that one did because I had never seen anything like it before so I yeah Juanita Bay <laughs> Juanita Bay has got like at least uh, two or three families of otters there okay um, I do see them every summer sometimes during other seasons too Otters are just such clowns. They are such characters, and I just love watching them. Forget photographing. Photographing is great, but yeah. even if I'm not photographing, I just love watching otters. They have so much personality, and they're one of those animals. I mean, a lot of animals love playtime, but otters in particularly remind you why playtime is so important. I've actually watched at Juanita Bay. There was this one of the classic sites at Juanita Bay mm -hmm. is this, this log. Uh, near one of the docks and you've got like these red-eared sliders the kind of turtle and then the more native painted turtles sitting on them i actually saw this otter swim around the log with the turtles still over there and the turtles are starting to feel a little anxious but they're still staying their ground and he would come up pop his head up then go down again pop his head up to the other side go down again and then he came and he rolled the log over and one by one, all the turtles just fell into the water. And he didn't even climb up on top of the log. He just wanted to have fun. He just rolled it so that those turtles who were like having a nice time was all just back in the water, just creating mischief, you know? Yeah, I love watching otters. In fact, one of my photographs, one of my favorites is this uh, from the show. It's this shot of this uh, river otter mm -hmm. um, in Yellowstone National Park that was again playing, it was running in the snow uh, frozen Lamar River and then some fresh snow on it and he would run for a bit and then just slide run for a little bit and then just slide and I got this moment that was mid slide uh, one of my favorite so shots. So fun. Well that's incredible. Nicole so what can we expect from the show Winter Northwest? 
So Winter Northwest is a body of work that I have done over the past seven years, traveling, driving from Seattle to Wyoming and Montana, the Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park in particular. And it, it has this body of work that has kind of been put together over a period of time that I feel kind of is a lyrical, poetic expression of how it feels like to be there among the, uh, these wild creatures in winter. And at the end of the day, what I really want to communicate is, you know, um, there are these soulful beings out there in the wild and they are surviving in very harsh conditions in winter. And there's so much of, you know, beauty and, and effort that they have to spend in order to survive there that us humans, when we go to these places, should take care of the environment and be responsible towards how we how we commit ourselves over there. So, you know, if you walk away with these images and then you visit one of these snow-covered places and you think a little bit about, oh yeah, I remember those pictures I saw from this photographer. Oh, there are these all kinds of animals living here. And if you're mindful of that, you might leave no trace or you might be more mindful of how you what you carry in the environment and you know you, you become more conscious about the natural world and that's what I'm trying to do with my show at the end of the day. Those are very aspirational words and I'm definitely a big fan. Thank you so much for talking to, with us. We're really excited for your art talk. I'll be there and I hope many others will come as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Winter Northwest is on display at the Magnuson Park Gallery until April 23rd. Join us for an artist reception with Muckle Solman, Saturday, April 9th, 5 to 8 p.m. For more information, visit space at magnuson.org. <laughs>